0: Daily Reflections is a new and exciting opportunity to deepen our faith in Jesus and to allow the gospel message of the day to to penetrate the very core of our being. My friends, I invite you to allow the Lord of life to guide you, to give you the courage to, to live as dynamic disciples. Let's offer this day to the way, truth, and life. Today, we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent and we begin with psalm 72 justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever together justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever O god with your judgment endow the king and with your justice the king's son he shall govern your people with justice and your afflicted ones with judgment Justice shall flower in his days, and profound peace till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. For he shall rescue the poor when he cries out, and the afflicted when he has no one to help him. He shall have pity for the lowly and the poor, the lives of the poor he shall save. May his name be blessed forever, as long as the sun his name shall remain in him shall all the tribes of the earth be blessed all the nations shall proclaim his happiness justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever together justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever our gospel for today is taken from Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 to 12 john the baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Sin. Hmm. Why is everything so messed up? My brothers and sisters, we continue to dive deep into the kerygma, the proclamation of the gospel. Last week, we reflected on created. Why is there something out of nothing about how God created us above all other creatures to share his perfect love? That's so awesome and sounds so great. But now we have today. And I'm not going to lie, this is going to be a lot tougher to hear. We like to hear good news, everything happy, content, but we try to avoid bad news. My friends, we cannot. We must reflect on some of the difficulties. Things are getting so bad in our world that perhaps we get plenty of glimpses on our own, don't we? But we need the reminder because we forget the root cause of all this is sin. People sin because they have chosen to ignore, to suppress what creation is clearly revealing about God. We live in the universe that God has created, and throughout the universe, from the delicate flower to the boiling hot sun, God has communicated to us his awesome love, there's not a blade of grass. There's no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice in our knowledge of God. Life was so perfect in the Garden of Eden. But given what we see in this world, we wonder what happened. Our enemy is associated with all the ways that we allow the devil to divide, conquer, conquer. And tear each other apart according to C.S. Lewis Satan has two main strategies to get humans to think the devil isn't real or to get them to believe he's more powerful than he really is so Satan is not just symbolic not just an analogy Satan is not a concept. Satan is real. He is smart. He knows scripture better than any human scholar. Let us be clear. Our true enemy is Satan. And Satan's been here from the very beginning of creation. Our catechism says, number 391, Behind the disobedient choice of our first parents lurks a seductive voice opposed to God, which makes them fall into death out of envy. Scripture and the church's tradition see in this being a fallen angel called Satan or the devil. The church teaches that Satan was at first a good angel made by God. The devil and the other demons were indeed created naturally good by God, but they became evil by their own doing. So my friends, God wants us to understand that Satan is not God's equal, nor is Satan a rival on the same plane as God. Satan is merely a creature. And that's important because when Satan fell, Satan did not take out aggression directly against God. Satan can't. Satan can have no power over the Lord. So who then do you think he's going after? Satan took out his anger on us. God also wants us to understand that God did not create evil, but God did give us and the angels the great gift of free will to choose to do God's will and to choose to reflect God's love. But Satan freely chose to go against that. And unfortunately, Satan also got us to, to go along for the ride. Did you know that Lucifer means light bearer? Lucifer was originally meant to radiate God's glory more perfectly than any other creature. But now he is Satan or the devil. Satan means the accuser. The devil means the divider. Accusing, dividing. Ever since his fall, he's been hard at work doing both. And I think we see his handiwork all around us between the Republicans, the Democrats, the Protestants, Jews, Muslims, the ultra-conservatives, and the radical liberals. We shouldn't be fighting with each other. St. Paul put it this way, In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, with the world rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens. We also hear our very first Pope, St. Peter, state, be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that your fellow believers throughout the world undergo the same sufferings. We know that we are at war. We know who we are fighting against. And we know that we are not alone, that we need to fight together. So why is it after so many thousands of years that we continue to struggle even within our own church? Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 3 and the fall, because what happened back then continues to happen even now. In the opening dialogue between Satan and Eve, the enemy makes it seem like this is just a normal, harmless, everyday conversation But really, he's trying to plant the seed of suspicion. Satan is trying to get Eve to doubt that God is a good and loving father. Did God really say you shall not eat from any of the trees in the garden? She says they can eat from every tree except one. Oh, come on. You certainly will not die. God knows well that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God's who know good and evil. So the devil is making it seem like God's holding out on us, like we can't trust God. Wow. Anyone ever been tempted to think like that? Come on. Every time things don't go our way, it's so easy to blame God. But Satan is a liar. Satan is good at telling half-truths, getting us to turn away from the Lord a little bit at a time. Satan will continue to lie, to accuse, to flatter, tempt, and discourage us, all the while trying to drive a wedge between us and our Heavenly Father. But again, if we know all this, why do we keep falling for it? It's because sin and death have a real power over us. And they've had that power ever since that original sin. My friends, death is not an option. We're not going to make it out alive. Sin and death don't just have some small influence over our lives. There is simply no escaping them. We can't be good enough, no matter how hard we try to completely overcome them. What that really means is is we are enslaved to them, along with the prince of this world, who tightly holds the chains. If you've ever struggled with an addiction, if you've ever struggled with serious habitual sin, you know the power that they have. And Satan will continue to use his tactics to keep us bound up like that. The devil wants you so focused on what you can't do, what you can't overcome on your own, and to shame you for it with that half-truth over and over again. But my friends, if God is a good and loving Father, then why would he allow all of this to continue to happen? What is God doing about all of this? I'll give you a hint. Someone is coming to town, and it's not who you might think. That's going to be our focus next week. Have a great day. Be sure of my prayers.